Hello, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. I'm Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to this podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Dr. Joe Hutchinson, who is an academic clinical fellow at the Centre for Primary Care and Health Services Research at the University of Manchester. We're going to talk about the paper that he and his colleagues have written titled The Consequences of the Closure of General Practices, a Retrospective Cross-Sectional Study. So thanks, Joe, for joining me here today. This paper is really topical and looks at an important issue in today's landscape of general practice where some surgeries are facing closure or merger. But tell us a bit more about the background to the study and what we know already about general practice closures in England. Okay, so the inspiration for the paper, as you mentioned, is there have been reports of uh, practices closing. And when I'm talking about practices closing, I'm talking about um, the merging, so that's uh, multiple different contracted practices turning into one contracted practice, taken over, which is a similar thing, but a different mechanism by which that that merging of the contracts may occur and then ceasing to exist. So the practices shutting their doors. And there's been reports of that happening, and I've had um, professional and personal experience of that, but we weren't really sure what the consequences of those closures were. You know, theoretically, there could be benefits to scale. So a, a larger practice may be able to provide services more efficiently and um, that might be better for patients. Similarly, there may be more resilience with the surviving practices as, for example, a practice that may have um, had one GP. If that GP retired, then that, that could create an issue for the um, sustainability of that practice site. And if you have multiple GPs, then that may well be more resilient. But then there's potentially negative consequences. So that disruption of the the care that the patients are receiving uh, may cause problems for them. Similarly, maybe with larger practices, concerns with continuity of care, which, you know, has has benefits for patients. So we're interested, essentially, what are these consequences? And we did, we looked at the literature and found, to be honest, there isn't a lot of literature that, that tells us what the consequences are, certainly very little in England. But not much that says what happens in England when practices close. And that's what we're, yeah, the question we're trying to answer, both for patients and for um, practices. OK, so this was a retrospective cross-sectional study using data about practice closures from NHS Digital and other sources. But tell us a bit more about what you did here and how you linked the different data. OK, so... Um, we use the 2019 to 20 um, financial year as our year that we were cross-sectioning, essentially. Um, and the reason we did that is we were concerned that the COVID-19 pandemic would influence the findings, which wouldn't be useful going forward into the future, because we hope and the COVID-19 impact will reduce and stop in the future while closures, well, looking at pressures in general practice, probably continue. Um, so then we got the 2019-20 data sets, and this is things such as all of the practices that are open and shut, um, the patient satisfaction from the GP patient survey, financial data, and link them all with a set of practices that were open between 2019 and 2020 um, financial year. So then what we did after that was we uh, then went back for the three years preceding 2019-20 and looked at all of the practices that had um, merged taken over or shut the doors in those three years. And we linked those closed practices to the surviving practices and to basically look at the estimated proportion in the surviving practices 
that their patient list had come from those closed practices. And that essentially gave us a score between zero and one um, for the percentage of those surviving practices lists that had come from those closed practices. So, for example, a closure exposure coefficient, which is what we named it, of 0.05 would estimate about 5% of that surviving practices patient list had come from a closed practice. So the higher the number, the more they're doing exposed to closure. Yeah, okay, no, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> so you linked data about the staffing in the practices as well and COF scores correct. and data from the GP patient survey. That's correct. Uh, but talk us through some of the main findings here. So what were the sort of headline findings from this analysis? Yeah, so what, what we were interested in is how that closure exposure coefficient uh, changed the outcomes. And the outcomes we were interested in was the practice list size, the funding and how that varied per patient the workforce variables such as uh, full-time equivalent nursing, direct patient care, admin and GP staff, um, patient satisfaction from the GP patient survey and the COF score. And we were also interested because we thought, you know, there's going to be factors between the communities that these practices work at that influence those independent of the closure exposure. And we thought they were biased. So we controlled for those biasing factors, which were the age profile of the practice, practice the deprivation of the practice, the rurality of the practice, and the ethnicity profile of the practice. So how does the closure exposure coefficient impact those outcomes whilst controlling for those potentially biasing factors? Um, and it did show a change. So there's quite a large range of the practice has been exposed to closure. So some practice have absolutely no exposure to closure, 0%, and the highest exposure was 78%, with an average of about 3% of a practice's patient list that had been from a closed practice estimated. Um, and we present our findings in terms of a 10% increase. So a practice with 0% compared to a practice with 10%. What will be the difference in the outcome at the 10% practice or so on for different increases? Um, and we saw that, as you probably expect, as practices close, the surviving practices get bigger. And along with that, the patients attract funding. So the funding gets bigger. But that change is a little bit disproportionate. So the funding doesn't quite increase at the rate we'd expect for the patients. And that results in the funding per patient going down. And that was a small but a significant amount, a £2.37 less funding per patient with a 10% increase in closure. Similarly, that, that occurred with the staff type. So again, as the practices get bigger, it attracts more staff to serve those patients. Um, and that was proportionate for the nursing, admin and direct patient care staff but not for GPs. And we saw as closure exposure coefficient increases, the number of patients per G full-time GP increases. And that's a 10% increase comes with 86.9 patients per full-time GP. Similarly, there was a universal decline in the patient satisfaction measures we used. So they were um, patient satisfaction with phone access, patient satisfaction with website access, confidence in the healthcare professional, and the overall satisfaction with the practice. So that's declining as the as closures increase. But fortunately, there's no change in any COF score. We didn't see any change there. In terms of the practice closures and the impact on patient satisfaction, was that due to patients being subsumed into bigger practices? So it, it's interesting. We, we don't know the reason that that's changed, but we have observed a change. And it's important with any cross-sectional study that you, are, that you have to be aware of reverse causation. So we're going... The closures have caused that change in patient satisfaction, but could it be that patients are dissatisfied with care in the area and that leads to the closure? So we, we can't really confer the reason that that's happened, 
we're theorizing that it's the closures that have caused that change. Okay. And did your analysis look at which practices were more at risk of closure? Yeah, so that was a really interesting finding as well. So um, earlier I mentioned the potentially biasing factors, um, and we found that practices in more deprived areas, practices in more non-white areas, practices in urban areas and practices that are from younger areas were more likely to close and have greater closure exposure. Okay, so that's not good news for these potentially more marginalised communities, really. No, so we're already aware that there's an inverse care law. So um, the amount of care that people need in these areas uh, is always already greater. The amount of supply of that healthcare is is lower. Um, so if we're saying that funding per patient declines as closures increase, um, number of patients per GP increases as a closures increase and that's occurring more in these patient areas that already have these you know supply demand imbalances you know is this going to be something that's going to get worse as closures increase um, and it, the equity concerns we have that go alongside that really okay and were there any impacts coming out of practice closures on workforce quality at all so it's interesting that we don't have the quality measures with the patient satisfaction and the QOF score. So QOF, we didn't see any significant change, but patient satisfaction was lower as closure exposure increases. Um, an interesting follow-up study would be to go, you know, what is the change in the clinical quality? And that's something that we're hoping to do in the future. Mm. And you mentioned this just at the beginning of our chat, um, that some people might make the argument that there are opportunities for increased efficiencies with practice closures. And was this something that this study could delve into at all? Or is that again sort of future? So that would be a potential, if you're saying that, you know, if clinical quality was to remain the same, but we're providing less funding for that, you know, clinical care, then potentially that could be increased efficiency. Um However, we don't know what the clinical quality and outcomes are. So it's difficult to say amount of funding per outcome from this study because we don't know the, those outcomes in terms of amount of care produced. Yeah, fair enough. OK. Any other key findings that you want to highlight coming out of this analysis? So the other thing would be, you know, is there a way to, if we're saying that these are negative for, uh, you know, patient satisfaction, is there a way of saying policymakers can mitigate against it? So sometimes these closures are going to happen. We can't necessarily avoid it, but can we help the surviving practice that are taking these patients and maybe providing them with extra resources? Alternatively, there may well be practices that we do not want these closures to occur because it will result in a healthcare desert with patient having to travel a long, long way to get their care. Uh, and we may all think, you know, let's it, do we actually need to start looking how do we prevent these occurring and looking forward to that? But I think most importantly, we don't really know why these occur. So it could be that GPs are retiring and they can't, they can no longer maintain the contract and then it goes to different practice. It could be that the increased pressure we're observing due to a different a variety of different factors leads to GPs struggling to maintain the contract. Um, alternatively, it could be that we're just struggling to recruit to certain areas of the country. And until we really know why they're occurring, then you know how do we prevent it from happening? Because it could just be you provide more resources, but you're not addressing the problem and this closure is going to occur anyway. Um, so I think they're the questions that we need to move on to answer, really. Mm. And what do you think are the key take-home messages from this analysis for people working in general practice and potentially practices facing closure or practices that are subsuming patients from another practice? 
what would you want to tell people based on what you found? Yeah, so uh, general practitioners, you know, people running these contracts that, that are taking over these these patients that have been through these closures, um, will probably be aware that they need to you know recruit GPs, um, recruit staff to address those access concerns that may be linked to the, the patient satisfaction decline that we discussed earlier. Um, really, the work's aimed at commissioners, policymakers, and it's thinking how can we support those GP practices that have gone through these um, closures in their areas, taking over these patients? How can we support them to maintain the services they're providing? Um, the thing that jumps out to me is differential resource um, spend in the patient practices that um, have had the greater exposure to closure. Um, but it's going to be different per area. So certain areas, you may have a really strong practice that can immediately take over these patients. The, the, the GPs go from strength to strength as the practice gets bigger. There could be an area that's in a real state of struggle um, that needs real a lot of support from maybe the ICS or nationally um, to try and maintain the care that the patients need. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, so I appreciate that. Yeah, so there may be lots of differences at local and regional levels about the state of what's happening in each practice that may be closing, so needs to be taken into account. And as you said, because there's really a dearth of research around this area, it's been really interesting to hear more about what's happening in these practices and which populations it's differentially affecting. So great. Okay, well, thanks very much, Joe. Um, That's been a really interesting chat. So I just wanted to say thank you very much for your time. Great, yeah, nice to speak. Yeah, it's been great hearing more about some of the issues around general practice closures and which practices may be at more risk of closing and potentially ways that we can try to intervene at an earlier stage to stop practices closing or merging. But thanks again for your time uh, and thank you all very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research article can be found on bjgp.org and the show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Thanks again and bye. Bye.